Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. God told me to tell you this. That's paganism. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? That's horoscope reading. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. That's reading tea leaves. You can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. That is not biblical Christianity. You want to hear God speak to you? Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. I promise you, 100% guaranteed, you will hear him speak. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! This is Wretched Radio. Your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, so welcome at idea at wretched.org. We so appreciate when you come. Yeah, Jimmy. Why are you talking like that? Excuse me. I'm trying to be a peacemaker in here. I'm reading the Ken Sandy book. Okay. And And I'm trying to be bucolic. I'm trying to be winsome. I'm trying to be a peacemaker. That book. Oh, man. It isn't written like a beating. Wouldn't that be kind of ironic if a peacemaking book were just an assault on your senses? It's really gently written, but I got to tell you, it just, oh, and I'm not, oh, it could be my fault. Oh, I need to, if you struggle in any way, shape or form with a relationship that is less than bucolic, please consider getting that book. Oh, it will help you to do a lot more than talk like somebody who's trying to be a (laughs) Peacemaker. Have you read that book yet? I have not. Dude. Yeah. Dude, dude. I've, I've read through You've it. You've got teenagers. You need that book. <laughs> it's available at wretched.org, and we are indeed grateful that you send pretty much, pretty much anything you want to ID at wretched.org. <laughs> I'm telling you, you and I, I believe, are becoming desensitized. Our Blanche meter is being adjusted for us. There are headlines of articles, not not only the headline, but the content of articles, even from Christian sites that go into just the scantest detail about the latest nonsense that is being conducted by our darkened world. And I'm telling you, it's just this stuff, 10 years ago, you and I would have read that stuff and gone, whoa, 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 come on, there's kids around here. Now it's like, okay, there's another perverted book for children. Oh, okay. They're teaching the kids to do that now. I'm telling you, our Blanche meters, they're being affected. And I don't think it's in a good way because we are called to speak truth in love. But a part of that, it's not normal to not have indignation. That's just not right either. I uh, Putting all of this together, it ain't no easy task. But I think as we go about the business of speaking truth and love, if our Blanche meters are being dialed back, I think it might be keeping us from going, 
What are you doing to children? What is a matter with the American Medical Association? What do you people think you're doing? I think that we're getting dialed back and we're and we're losing some of that. Please send pretty much anything you want to idea at wretched. Oh, by the way, this is not the day that we normally do this. We know that. We we acknowledge that. So this isn't a replay. <laughs> You get that slam <laughs> yeah. when we do a week of, of mailbag? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not a rerun. Not yet. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off today with Jeff. Todd, I've been hearing teaching recently that puts Christians into categories, like the spiritual Christian, the carnal Christian. I even heard one teacher say that there are four categories of spirituality from Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians, the spiritually discerning or mature Christian, the natural person, the infant in Christ, and the mature or the immature or carnal Christian. And so I understand that Christians are at different stages in their walk but I don't see these labels threaded throughout the New Testament. The the categories I do see is between saved and the unsaved, sheep versus goats. Yeah, those are the two clear-cut categories. You're either in or you're out. You are a believer. You're an unbeliever. Having said that, in the book of 1 Corinthians, I think also in the book of Hebrews, you see monikers, adjectives being used to describe varying degrees of maturity, And I think those labels can be used finely. Is that an adverb? I think they can be used just swell. But let's not put people in categories like, well, you're that type of Christian. No, there's only one type of Christian, an in-Christ Christian. That's what you are. You're just at varying degrees of maturity, making advancements from milk to meat. You're growing in discernment. Is there a spiritual and a non-spiritual Christian? No. Is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? Absolutely not. It's an oxymoron. I know it was popularized out of Dallas Theological Seminary, but it's a total contradiction. You're either carnal or you're in Christ. So you say, well, then what was Paul talking about? If you read 1 Corinthians, this is when a book is longer, this is harder to do. Read the thesis statement. Now, in the book of John, by the way, it's it, actually in John chapter 21, he really gives the thesis statement at the end. I've write, written these things that you might believe, that you might know that he, Jesus, is the Christ, and in believing you might have life. The thesis statement comes at the end. Uh, you know, John does that again in 1 John 5. I've written these things that you might know that you are saved. All right, in 1 Corinthians, I do believe we get the thesis statement in the first chapter when Paul talks about the divisions that are going on in the church. I follow Paul. Well, I'm of Apollos. I was baptized. That that's that is considered sectarianism where we form cliques and there's a little bit of a pride foundation because Our clique's better than your clique. And Paul says that behavior is carnal. It's fleshly. It's sinful. Don't do it. Now, that is a far cry from saying that there can be Christians who live an ongoing carnal lifestyle. We know Christians sin. They just don't swim in sin. 
We, we still have a flesh with which we are contending, but that doesn't mean our overall trajectory is fleshly or that a fleshly lifestyle is compatible with being a born-again Christian. So, yeah, we do see varying degrees of maturity being defined in the Bible. By the way, they aren't articulated enough where I would turn it into some sort of a neogram or this is what type of, I'd be really slow to do that. When does somebody move from milk to meat? How many hours a day do they need to be reading their Bible? How many verses do they need to have memorized? How many sermons do they listen to by really good? See, we, we, we can't come up with categories like that. I don't think they're extremely helpful, but the biblical labels of varying degrees of maturity is, and if I could say one last thing about the carnal Christianity business. Pastor, this maybe doesn't seem like a big deal. So you do with this as you see fit. That we are Christians with a new nature. We have one new nature. That's it, 2 Corinthians 5. Any man is born again in Christ, new creation, old, gone. So we are given a new heart with new desires. What do we do with that sinful tug? I don't think it is wise or right or biblical to say, well, that's our old nature. No, that's gone. Well, then what is it that is going on inside of me? It is a warring of the members. And as you read through the epistles of the New Testament, that is why so often you see the word flesh. We still, this carcass is not yet glorified. And so it has remnants of sin. It tugs, it pulls. It, it hasn't been fully glorified yet. And so we are at war with our members, not with our old nature. Your mileage may vary. Do with that as you see fit. And send whatever to idea at wretched.org. Oh, you want another question? Okay. Well, let me. What were you giving? <laughs> That's what we're doing here, right? Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Okay. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, Anonymous is wondering um, it's out if you're reading the word, I mean, totally engrossed in it. Where do you stop? I want to know more and more and more, but am I sinning when I put it aside to take care of the things I've been blessed with, like my kids and wife and job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you need to just make sense. Yeah, I wouldn't call you a sinner. Just say you need some adjustments. We, we've still got to live in this world. We don't walk around with our head in the clouds, uh, do, doing nothing but consuming theology. In fact, just I was listening to a sermon by Milton Vincent last night. On the treadmill. And he was talking about that wisdom puffs up. A man who can make you feel really convicted without being convictional in his tone. It's just amazing. And he was talking about wisdom and knowledge. And it got me to thinking, and I'm going to include this, I think, in my last chapter of the book that I'm working on. Consider all of the Bible verses that tell us, hey, your brain, get knowledge, wisdom, the word. And yet, how many times do you hear about the heart and our love for God. So we want to be building up knowledge we're commanded to, but it's got to affect heart and it's got to affect feet. And if it's not, then you need to make some sort of an adjustment. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa. 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Are you tired of the endless scrolling and mindless internet browsing? Well, you can absolutely break free from the digital realm and enter the Bible Zone. This month, we invite you to unlock the power of the scriptures with our exclusive Bible Zone bundle. With the Bible Zone bundle, not only will you learn to read your Bible better, but you'll also desire to read it more. This $100 value is available all month long for only $39.99. Buckle up and get ready to enter the Bible Zone by picking up the Bible Zone bundle, including Herman Who, It's Not Greek to Me, Drive-By Theology, Jesus Unmasked, plus all four study guides to go along with the resources, all for $39.99, but only during the month of August. Visit wretched.org slash Biblezone right now to place your order, but hurry up before time runs out. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. Second Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, written about one year later. Since Paul had last written, some false apostles had snuck in and began to question Paul's authority. There are many who claim authority in the church, but those called by Christ will bear the marks of Christ, which are humility and reliance upon Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Your brain is like a conduit. May I ask, is your conduit plugged? This is Wretched Radio. Receiving your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, sent to idea at wretched.org. Yep, we're doing it all week long here on Wretched Radio. Nope, you're not listening to a rerun. We didn't make a mistake. Although I'm sure Jimmy has today. He didn't make <laughs> this particular mistake. Jimmy, you were you were 
receiving a letter, an email from a fellow saying, uh-huh. hey, I just love theology. I can't get enough of this stuff, but right. maybe not spending the, enough time with family and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. He just wanted to know, when is it okay to say, okay, let's put this down now? Yeah, yeah. when you need to put it down and get about your business. The, 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 the battle is finding that balance. And everybody's balance is different. You go through different seasons of life. And so make sure that if you are out of whack, just make the adjustment. Don't feel super convicted by it. If you need to repent to your family for being consumed by theology and at the expense of spending time with them, then, then adjust it. And that is the best way to know. Ask. Just ask your family. Keep studying because they might just go, no, Dad, it's, everything's cool with me. No, you spend lots of time with me. In fact, I wish you'd dial it back. Okay, but I don't know what they're going to say, but they're the, they are the best monitor to know how you're doing. Theology is great to learn. You cannot miss the emphasis of it all throughout the Bible. Psalm 119, it, 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 the, the love of the word What did Solomon pray for? He wanted wisdom. We find that in the word of God. We also gain it as we apply it throughout life or fail to apply it throughout throughout life and gain experiences. But the Bible is replete. Your brain, your brain, your brain. But your brain is not the end all. It's supposed to be a funnel, a conduit to take that knowledge and bring it someplace. And it, I think it should bring it to two places in your body. One would be your heart. Is your amassing of knowledge honey? That's how the psalmist described the word in Psalm 119. So think about all of the times that he taught, you know, your precepts, your statutes, your laws. I love it. I love it. For him to say it's like honey means he's not just becoming smart. It's dear to him. It affects him. It warms him, comforts him, stirs him, motivates him, and moves him. He couldn't describe it like honey. Because, okay, if I said to you, let's say that you're into science. I don't know why, but you are. You're into science. You're into mathematics. And you read really geeky textbooks. And you just enjoy it. And that's cool. But would you say... It's like honey. (laughs) No, because it can feel fulfilling because you just, it scratches an intellectual itch or you need it for your career. You're studying that particular field. But would you say it's like honey? Okay. For instance, I'm just thinking even in a different realm. Let's say that I read about tennis or I liked watching instructional, that's a head thing, instructional videos on how to hit a drop shot, which is all the rage these days and absolutely amazing to watch. Nevertheless, would I say that those those videos are like honey? <laughs> no. I, I dig those. They're not like honey. It's the word that's like honey, but it's not just because you're having it stored upstairs. It is moving through a conduit downstairs to your heart and warming you. Is your conduit clogged? Second area of your your body is going to be your feet. 
well, why are you learning this stuff? But to apply this stuff, to take it, bring it to others, serve others, do for others, and live a godly life, which is pleasing to the Lord. Make sure that your love for theology, and I've got it too. I love it. It 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 can't get geeky enough. <laughs> You can go into the original languages and I'll go diving with you. You you start bringing in theological terms and languages that I are, are words and meanings that I need to actually Google. Yeah, baby. <laughs> but if it just stays in my noggin, it's not honey. And if it's not moving me to action, my conduit is clogged. How is yours? Please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. All right, this next... Oh, you're there this time. How nice of you to show up for <laughs> what we're doing. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right, this next one uh, is going to make you cry. It's from Trenton, who's 15. Mm. And he's wanting to know, uh, Todd, why do people, when they're witnessing after going through the law, only talk about Jesus' death on the cross, but rarely talk about the resurrection? Yeah, you know, okay. I mentioned that I was listening to a sermon by Milton Vincent. He was talking about how knowledge puffs up. It was... It's really a word that those of us who love theology need to hear, that it it doesn't make you arrogant. Okay, I think you'll be blessed by this. One of the comments that he made about knowledge puffing up, it means that it's very difficult to live in community, either church or home work. When we are all (laughs) know-it-alls, now, We'd just be fighting all the time because I don't take input. I don't need correction from you. I have nothing to learn on the subject. And when we all have that heart, whether it's in church or it's within the home, it's a nightmare. You can't, you can't live in community when you believe that your knowledge is sufficient and you need no input. That was a good word wasn't it? But in the process of talking, he also addressed youth. And I thought he did it in a way that was uh, to communicate. If you're 15 or 16, here's, here's, here's a skill that will transform and it will put your trajectory and your maturation process into, into, into what do they call it on Star Trek when they and then they just go fast forward a thousand miles an hour. Uh, light, light what, speed, light, whatever they. I, I don't know. Whatever, whatever Captain Kirk tells Leonard Nimoy to do to make it go really zoomy fast. That's what will happen if you start to recognize that you don't possess as much knowledge as you think you have. Now he, I just tried to do that really nice, and he did it in such a way where he was able to speak to youth in a way that was not off-putting. Because typically teenagers, and it was true of all of us, well, most of us, I guess, it's like, I don't need parent. You don't need to tell. I know what I'm, ding, ding, wisdom just, just like your Teflon head. Everything just ricochets off of your brain because you, you just don't think you need it. And if you can recognize you do, oh, Oh, hyperspeed. Maybe that was maybe that's what they they called it in the Star Trek thingy. You'll grow so fast. You'll learn so much. Now, having said that, I started to think to myself, 
after I, I finished going, yeah, yeah, tell them kids. <laughs> I don't know as much as people who are older than me. Oh, that means no matter what decade of life you're in, you don't have as much as you're going to need going forward. And as somebody has who has been ahead of you, and we all need to embrace that humility. We all need to be thinking, hey, I, I don't know everything. I, I don't understand everything. And there's, but besides, there's so many hidden details when it comes to a confrontation or a conflict. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I don't know the backstory to it. I, I don't know other details, what the traffic was like, whatever. I just, no, I got this. Oh, that's just acrimony. But when you realize, I don't know everything, and it's okay to be in that place. And the way that you get to that place is by studying the one who did not, he did not assume that posture. And if anybody could, it was, it was Jesus, but he didn't. Took on the form of a servant to serve people. You adopt that mindset light years, no matter what age you are. And in the course of that sermon, and, and before I get to that, let me just say, ha, you didn't think I was going to get back to the resurrection, <laughs> did you? In the course of that sermon, he talked about his knowledge about the resurrection. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. I'm good. Somebody gave him a book on the resurrection. And he said it just blew his mind how much he didn't know. <laughs> I believe it's the resurrection. But he, he was like, wow, eyes blown wide open because somebody took the time to study the doctrine much deeper than him. And he downloaded that information via the printed word and it went into Milton's noggin. And I'm sure his conduit isn't blocked and it went to his heart or to his feet because he didn't know everything about the resurrection. I'm actually inclined to get a hold of him and say, what is the name of that book? Because his statement was the resurrection has more profound implications than he ever imagined. So here's the moral to this story. Even if at the moment we don't know as much as Milton Vincent and that book about the resurrection, Paul included it in 1 Corinthians 15 as the, the essential stuff you need to know. I think we would do well to include it in our evangelistic presentations regularly. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, first up today, Disney's new show, Pauline, has been raising some eyebrows because, well, it's from Disney, and you know they have departed from the talking animals and fairy godmothers a long time ago. This new German original series features an 18-year-old girl who becomes pregnant after a one-night stand. Not only did this 18-year-old girl become pregnant after a one-night stand, but she became pregnant after a one-night stand with Satan. It's even a little bit farther than you would expect Disney to go, but I guess we should have no expectations of Disney or anyone else. And the writer of the article that I referred to for this story had an interesting quote from C.S. Lewis. He once said, and wisely so, there are two errors when it comes to demons. Number one, disbelieving in their existence or developing an excessive interest in them. And I'd say this one, yeah, it crosses that line. Now we turn our attention to the ALA, the American Library Association, who is headed by a woman by the name of Emily Drabinsky. 
Why is Ms. Drabinsky such a big deal? Well, she runs the American Library Association, which makes decisions about libraries pretty much nationwide that are in their network. Now, there are an increasing number of libraries that have left this network, but there are many that are still in it. And Ms. Drabinsky, well, she's a self-described Marxist lesbian, and she said that is something that is extremely important to her. Her radical views, of course, have alarmed conservative parents activists and lawmakers, but she says she wants the organization to focus on freedom and liberty, which likely means pushing her Marxist agenda. Now, from libraries to schools, a proposed bill in California is extremely communist, because California went obviously communist a long time ago, but SB 596 on the docket says that it could be criminal for someone to criticize public schools. That's right, no free speech when it comes to public schools anymore. If you publicly criticize the public school system in California, you could be getting some criminal charges coming your way. And that, again, is communist, if I ever heard it. Well, up north, the Supreme Court of Canada has declined an appeal regarding fines imposed on churches in Ontario and British Columbia for violating pandemic restrictions. The verdict, $274,000 in fines for violating gathering limits. Of course, one of the pastors stated that obeying God rather than man was the principle behind the decisions, though freedom of religion, assembly, and speech has taken a hit in Canada since the pandemic started. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting scripture. One key principle of hermeneutics is reading verses in context. Words can have multiple meanings, but the intended meaning of a word is understood from its context in the surrounding words, verses, paragraphs, and chapters, all understood in the context of the Bible as a whole. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If we can... Get Jimmy's attention. We'll continue receiving your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, and to idea at wretched.org. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This question, uh, I found it interesting. It's from Gina. Uh, she says, Todd, we've been members of our new church for about six months and appreciate its strong adherence to the Bible. Despite this, we're concerned about the lack of community outreach. We've noticed, unlike other churches, that ours doesn't participate in efforts like Compassion Sunday, Operation Shoebox, and others. When I talked to our pastor, he said that while community outreach can be helpful and even a possibility at times, the church's main focus will be the responsibility of each member to be actively sharing the gospel with the lost. Just wondering about that approach. Something about little to no community outreach doesn't sit well with me. Well, this is this is an area where I think different Christians are, are, are going to be activated inside of the local church to reach the lost. And if your thing is community outreach, then you should do your thing. Furthermore, if your church does not currently put an emphasis on that, whatever the organized outreach is, I, I don't think they're necessarily sinning. I mean, it could be because, well, we don't care about the lost. Okay, they'd be sinning. Uh, it, but it, it could be things like they're busy. They, they see another need in the body that is more important. 
They're trying to perhaps move more people from milk to meat as the priority. So there can be all kinds of reasons what you could do if it's like a burning desire for you rather than perhaps then there's always a there's always a, a a temptation to get mad at the church. Why aren't they doing my thing that I think is important? I feel that we all do whatever the thing is. Rather than perhaps getting disgruntled, you could formulate a plan, meet with the elders and say, hey, guys, and when I say guys, I mean guys, hey, guys, I I noticed that the church doesn't do any sort of outreach of this sort. I've spoken to a couple of you and you've explained why. I get that. So here's what I've done. I put together a proposal for doing it that I'll lead. I'll take responsibility for this. I'll fund it, whatever it is, so that it isn't a burden to y'all. Would you be amenable to letting me lead such a thing? And off you go. And then you can get involved in those community things. Furthermore, your pastor's statement that whether it's a community outreach or it's the individual that evangelism is going to be the emphasis. Oh, then you got, that's a good pastor saying that. Hey, we're not just going to go and give people used shoes. That's a lovely thing to do. Uh, but we are going to give them the gospel while we put these shoes on their feet. Amen to that. I, I just think that the church, you should, we can, it's an option, of course, but we should be doing kind things for people. But without the gospel connected to it, well, there's enough community and government services to take care of those needs. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Well, we move on to um, uh, this. This is an interesting question from Steve. He says, uh, Todd, with uh, certain Bible teachers shifting toward ideologies like CRT that deviate from a strictly biblical perspective, should we exercise caution when we recommend their previous works that were solid? Uh, that's that's always a dicey territory. And that, by the way, can be varying degrees, of course, of what they're teaching now versus then. What about moral failures? Hmm. Let's say a guy had 20 years of great sermons, books that were amazing, and then whoop, down he goes. Do you recommend those? I, I, I don't think that we could make a law on such a thing. My inclination, unfortunately, would probably be to not recommend them. Would I consume them myself only if... I didn't get confused, only if it didn't cause me to stumble or have problems in some sort of way. But I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's a wise thing to propagate their works. And if you're a pastor, that's just one of the tragedies that you will be inflicting on yourself. All of your work goes flushing down the drain, all of it, because you're no longer qualified for that office. Let that let that serve as a frightening curb if you are feeling temptation. Jimmy, it looks like you wanted to say something. And I was just going to say that uh, it, it it depends on, as far as you consuming content. Maturity. Oh, it depends on who you are and where you're at. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from a pulpit and a pastor's perspective, I wouldn't do it church-wide mm-hmm. if somebody's uh, went and wonky. Um, but if I'm talking with somebody that I'm one-on-one with yeah. and, and they are mature, then I think I could if they can handle it. But I, you know what? I wouldn't 
I wouldn't ever recommend it without telling them. No, 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 no. There would be, yeah. Hey, you go, but you should know that this fellow now is this. Now, here's an interesting ponderance. When you see somebody today teaching something that you deem to be aberrant, not heretical, but aberrant, and they didn't before, um, there was probably something there before anyway. Because bad teachings don't usually just pop up out of nowhere overnight. They usually come from somewhere. I'll, I'll tell you the place where I, I've seen this perhaps in its most vivid manifestation was the hyper grace movement. The, the super great. Hey, it's just grace, daddy. Oh, nothing but grace, baby. Don't you worry about nothing because grace has got you covered because grace is grace-alicious. And then some of those proponents found themselves in moral failures. Whoa, what happened? Well, the moral failure didn't come out of nowhere. Though it, taking those tumbles, I, I don't think we could say they never happen overnight, but they usually don't. They come from somewhere, whether it's a moral failure or aberrant theology. There was probably something back there that was already a brewing that ended up percolating in the false teaching or the sinful behavior. Use it with caution. Maybe. Idea at Richard.org. All right, Todd, uh, this is from Jess. Todd, are children's Bibles a good idea? Sure. They can be. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I think here's here's this is going to sound silly. I, I think taking the word now, by the way, just to preempt the concern. Do I think it's better to just read the Bible to a kid? I do. That's what we did. Well, we just just full disclosure. And this is not a criticism. If you do, we weren't into the kids Bible thing. Um, we weren't into babbling to our children. We just talked to them <laughs> and we read the Bible to them. But having said that, I do believe that they can be utilized to bring big concepts down to a level of their learning. That's just smart teaching. Now, we would read the Bible and we'd try to explain it to them at their level. But if you want to use the tool of a children's Bible, I think you can do that just fine. But I do believe you should screen it pretty thoroughly on two levels. The second one's going to surprise you. The first level is how much are they changing it? Uh, and, and, and are they importing a message to it? Are they teaching through the word? Because if you got that going on, then you need to recognize it's not even really the Bible. It's more like somebody telling you what the Bible is about. In other words, it's kind of like the message. And I don't think that that's, that's a a safe thing to be doing. Second level of consideration are the images. Oh, wow. Images, they're so, you know, vivid and visual. That's what an image is, you knucklehead. They can get into the kid's head. And so the veggie tails. Is Jonah a pickle or what it what was he? He's a, he was a tomato. And the the stories of the veggie tails, I think, cross the line on both of those levels. It was not the Bible story being told. It was a tale about a Bible story, which means you're getting a human's interpretation of it. Furthermore, you're getting images of Bible characters that were vegetables or doing things that aren't included in the text. So with all of that being said, 
Can you use them? Absolutely. But just like anything else for your kids, mom and dad, you are the gatekeeper. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from McKenna. Uh, Todd, our family recently moved. We're still looking for a biblical church to attend. One of the only churches we found, solid expository preaching church, but they do believe in infant baptism. And in order to become members, we would have to baptize our baby and toddler. The church's doctrine seems solid otherwise. Should we baptize our kids or um, find another church? Dun, dun, dun. So a Baptist family walks into a Presbyterian church. <laughs> That's what you got right there. I don't doubt that their doctrine is excellent. Obviously, disagree on some things, covenantalism, probably eschatology, and certainly baptism. But Presbyterians love you to pieces. And could you go to that church? Well, if they insist on your children being baptized, I think you should meet with them and say, look, we can't find another church that's acceptable. Could we work that we want to be in a safe place, but that would be against our convictions. We'd be overriding our beliefs. How could we work this out? I would try that. And if for whatever reason it doesn't make sense, then you're going to have to find the next best church that you can. This is one of those issues. It should not divide us the true unity of the church. But just operationally and functionally, you know, baptism tends to do that. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know that many of you have stood with us in the past, but we also know that it was more than just a one-time gesture. It was a step, a connection, a moment where your faith and your trust in us meant something. You handed us a torch. Now, just think about it. Imagine if you could stand firm with us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner. We're talking about taking the torch that we started and adding fuel to it, illuminating the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to even more souls. We're asking if you could join us, not just for a moment, but for a mission. It's more than a financial commitment, and we hope that you realize that. It is a partnership, a gospel partnership, and the one and only thing in this world that matters at the end of time. Everything else burns away, but what we do with the gospel stands for eternity. The details, well, you can find them right now at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God. It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Attributes of God. Can God make a rock so big he cannot lift it? God is all-powerful. He created the universe and everything in it, and nothing can thwart his will. So the question of the rock is nonsensical. It does not expose a problem with God, but with the thinking of the one asking the question, and they will one day have to answer to the omnipotent God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey kid, you want to do something magnificent for your parents? I hope you do. This is Wretched Radio. Hoping you will send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, do you know what one of my daughters did today? What did she do? Knowing that Mrs. Friel had a day off, surprised her, came up to spend the day. Ah. ah, that's a good day. If you're young, you're out of the house, and your parents, they live close enough, drop in on them. Just pop in. Ring the doorbell. Walk straight in. I'm telling you, it will do their hearts more good than you can even imagine. It really is true that a parent's love for a child Oof, that is a deep, profound kind of love. And if you don't have children yet and you tend to rebuff the love of your parents, you, you just need to know you're hurting them a lot. You're, you really, you don't know the depths of the pain that your avoidance of them or lack of awareness of them, consideration or concern for them or a desire to ever spend time with them, it cuts like a knife and you you could you could heal that and you could build something super special if you just drop in unannounced jimmy you don't know what i'm talking about yet well no i don't know what you're talking about on that end no um but, but you will well I'm, I'm i'm hoping so but you know the last time i just dropped in on you you yelled at me <laughs> That is so not true. <laughs> I didn't yell at you. Okay. I told you you should lift with your knees and not with your back. Well. <laughs> but besides that, it was a furniture moving day. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from Karina. Todd, I... Okay, wait. I, I, can, I can maybe give you an image. Okay. All right. I'm just... Imagine... Maybe you don't have to stru stru struggle hard to imagine this. That one of your boys is just kind of um, off into his own little world. Tends to be in his bedroom, comes, goes, hardly says a word. What if one night he just walked in, sat down, hey, Pop, just thought we could just, I don't know, talk. Mm. 
that would warm your heart, it wouldn't would. it? It just, would. I just, I just, because you know, he just wanted to be with you. By the way, this would be our third reference, at least, to the Milton Vincent sermon <laughs> that I heard last night. I think he was quoting a Paul Tripp book, The Age of Opportunity. It's a good book. I read it years ago. And he was reading a quote. Here, here's something that has never happened in the history of the world. Hey, Dad. Yes, yeah, son. You know, I was just in my room thinking about how I lack wisdom and how blessed I am that God has put me into a home with a, with a father who really has amassed a great deal of wisdom. And I just thought I could spend time with you where you could, you could download some of that wisdom so that I could grow in maturity, wisdom, and godliness. That conversation has never happened. <laughs> it should. I'm telling you. Whippersnapper, do that with your dad. Do that. In fact, you say, I can't do that with my dad. We're fighting all the time. You do that with your dad, and I'll bet the fights will almost evaporate. I'm telling you, you have so much power to control the temperature in your house. Furthermore, you will just be... Oh, wait a second. You looked it up. What was it called? Blast years? Uh, oh, um, oh, I forgot it. Bang, bang a Rooney, where you go zippity fast in the <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise. It's a warp drive. Warp drive. <laughs> Warp drive. You taking your Oshawasha good night? No, I'm not. Me neither. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Karina. Todd, I'm struggling with my involvement in a dying church. There's no growth. The pastor seems disengaged. And there is a lack of investment in the youth and children's ministries. Despite the preaching being from the Bible and hymns being traditional in nature, I'm finding it difficult to continue being part of this church. Can you help me? Uh, do you have some guidance to help me navigate the situation? Well, just up front, is it possible that you can ever get to a place in a church where there is a need to leave? Yes. However, before you take that very drastic measure, there are a number of things that I would encourage you to do. The first I'm stealing from Tim Challies. Pray for every member in the church. Open up the little handbook thingy that you've got. Go online, wherever everybody's listed. Line by line, go through and pray for them. Thank God for them. It's going to stir you, and it's going to be a vivid reminder of the relationships that are deep and profound. And by cutting the cord, those most of those relationships are going to go bye-bye. You sure you want that? Second, ask the question, what could you do to help? It sounds like your church is struggling. I get that. And I've got the same sort of disposition, inclination. If it's not going right, well, then you go someplace else. You get sick of one thing, you go to another thing. You don't like Taco Bell, you go to Chipotle. That's not the mindset that we should have as churchgoers. We should instead see something that is deficient and say, hmm, how can I help? In fact, I, w I would go this far. I wouldn't <laughs> make this a law. But if you see a problem, you're called to fix it. You notice something in church that's deficient. I would tell you that's God's little, well, get on it. Fix it. The, you're, you're agitated that there's never enough toilet paper in the stalls? Fix it. You don't think that the kitchen is clean enough? Clean it. That, that, that's participating in the life of the church. So if you're seeing that there's trouble, how could you help? And that might, by the way, include encouragement. Maybe your pastor is just dry. He's tired. 
That okay, not accusatory. Pastor, how can I help? What can I do for you? How could I serve you? And it might be something as simple and yet profound as telling him how much you appreciate him and how much you gain when he spends time in the word. Maybe the fellow just doesn't get enough wind in his sails and you could provide it. Having said that, if you really are starving, if it's if it's at the point where it's really causing spiritual stunting for you or your kids, yeah, you could look elsewhere, but please, vowy, vowy, swowy, idea at wretched.org. All right, this next question is from Ken, who says, uh, Todd, God is sovereign in all things. I just wanted you to know that. No, he says, God is sovereign in all things. I completely 100% agree with that. But how do you talk to people who disagree when they bring up parts of the Bible where God regrets things? Mm. Like in 1 Samuel, where it says, sure. God regretted making King Saul. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here would be my, my question for you if you've wrestled with that. How would you articulate for human beings to grasp that God's heart was wounded, hurt, disturbed by the behavior of his people? Uh, how, how would you put it? Would it be valid for you to ascribe to God a human term that we all understand? I think you would agree. And I, you should, actually, because the Bible reader, <laughs> Bible writers already did do just that. They used anthropomorphic terms for us to grasp how God was feeling. And now for those of you who are my uber conservative friends, of whom I am a part of your tribe. Whoa, 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 with the feelings of God. Hey, a saity don't need no emotions. That's not the way that he works. Um, we got to deal with God's emotions carefully because we have a tendency, I think, to impute our understanding of feelings onto him. God doesn't feel the way that we do. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't have rightly understood feelings. The Bible's loaded with it grieved God. It, it, that we grieve the Holy Spirit. God regretted that. The feeling of, ah, oh, oh. It's not like he changed his mind, learned new information, was shocked by their behavior. It's just an expression that he does feel. Now, what's the difference between God's emotions and ours? His are predetermined. They are settled. They are right. Ours are a white hot mess. <laughs> They're always in response, knee jerk reactions, probably exaggerated in either side of the emotion. That's not the way God is. So let's make sure that we don't go over the line of making God an emotional being. But I think at the same time, we need to be careful that we don't make him an emotionless being. Because our God, I know I know the baggage connected to this. He feels. Jesus wept. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus was troubled at the betrayal of Lazarus. Uh, the, the night he was betrayed, knowing that the cross was in front of him. That, how's about in the garden? Sweating drops of blood. So we, we, we have to 
find the right understanding. I wouldn't say balance, the right understanding that, that God has feelings. They're just, while they're the same category of feelings that we possess, they're never sinful. They're never responsive. They are always just right. And until tomorrow, go serve your kingdom.